Hello everyone, I'm five minutes late. I had technical problems. I've had the flu. Been going crazy, going delusional. Well, I'll pull it together in 30 seconds and we will kick off, I promise. All right, 20 seconds. All will be revealed. What's everyone up to? It's Thursday, almost there, almost a Friday. Then we got Christmas, so excited. Anyways. 10 seconds. Hello everyone and thank you for bearing with me when I was five minutes late. The truth is I've had the flu and I had technical problems but it doesn't matter because we're here now live and I've got an extra special guest, someone that I've known for the last few years who's tuning all the way in from sunny Barcelona. David Drews, how are you, sir? I'm good, thanks, Stephen. Thanks for inviting me. I'm, I'm jealous because I've got like the radiators, the fans on everything, whereas you're in a better climate for the condition I'm in, right? What is Barcelona like this time of year? Uh, it's good, yeah. It has cooled down a little bit, but uh, from judging from my conversations with people back in the UK, we're, yeah, it's, it's quite a bit warmer, I think. Brilliant. Well, well, fair play. And in enough about the weather. That's just what I'm feeling like at the moment. I'm craving a hot environment. But David, so I've known you for a few years, but perhaps one or two people in the industry might not be familiar with yourself and, and where you're working at the moment. So do you want to tell us a little bit about um, who you are then? Okay, so uh, I'm current, well, I am now design director for Node Living which is a co-living operator and developer. The last time we spoke, which was two years ago in November, 2020, uh, I was design director for Allied London, which is a UK based property developer. Uh, and I've been now with Node for almost a year. Excellent, excellent. And also, quick disclaimer, uh, David, while your surname is Drews, we are not related, are we? No, we're not. <laughs> we're not related. Right. Well, that if, if we were related, I think I would be the, the younger brother, which asks you lots of questions because I'm curious. And in the theme of asking you lots of questions, I had a question because when you said you were, you know, leaving Allied London, which, you know, are on good terms and all that, and you said you were going to, you know, join, go to Spain and then you, you, you joined um, Node Living, when mm. I asked you what they're about and you said, oh, they do some really cool co-living, my first question was like, what is co-living? And mm. um, you eloquently uh, told me a little bit about what it is. Now, I would probably butcher that definition, but as design director of Node Living, do you want to tell us about what Node Living is and the kind of buildings that you design at the moment then? Sure. So yeah, so as I said, Node Living is a, is a co-living operator and developer. Um, sometimes we partner with local developers, depending on the, the country and the city. We're based, we've got projects all over the world. So we're in Madrid, we're in Barcelona, London, uh, Dublin, Toronto, Los Angeles, uh, New York. And I guess it will be helpful to un understand what co-living is, right? So. Yeah. 
call them essentially a shared living platform. And I think the easiest way to describe it is to kind of, if you imagine the typical person when they finish university, they might have been studying somewhere more regional and then they move to the big city. And, you know, I mean, certainly what I did in that situation and what many people do is you end up living in a shared flat, right? Yeah. Well, co-living is a kind of alternative to that scenario. So basically uh, there are different kind of formats of co-living, but essentially it's sort of studio apartments or shared apartments normally with bed to bath parity. So usually always with an ensuite bathroom and then shared amenities within the building. So that can range from co-work to reception, concierge service, uh, gym, cinema, um, restaurant, cafe facilities. So it kind of, it's basically a much more attractive offer than having to live in a shared apartment with people who potentially you don't know, for example. Yeah, I was going to say it must be a definite. It's it and what you've shown me, and I know you're going to show a few um, images and all that stuff in a bit. It's definitely a more glamorous version of the shared houses I used to live in in university, where you know there was dirty mess in the kitchen, smokers' living room, and parties and random people and doors not working and all this stuff. Part of the charm of being in uni is that, however. When you're later in life, right, you, you kind of want a bit more security and all that stuff. So it, it seems interesting to me, but I hadn't really heard the term co-living for a while. I had heard co-working, though, because of we work and all this stuff. So is it um, a resurgence then in, in co-living that now there are developers like yourself who are thinking about it and, and are making... Um, a sizable move in the market then? Is it, is it starting to reappear now then, David, in your opinion? Absolutely. In the industry at the moment, it's one of the sectors which is uh, getting most um, interest from financial backers uh, as opposed to other sectors which are sort of struggling right now. So, um, And yeah, to be clear that the sort of our kind of target market are basically young professionals, so essentially 25 to 40, but that's not... Uh, a rule, obviously, but that's that's generally the kind of demographic. Nice, uh, yeah, I uh, well, as well, you know, people maybe they got married once or twice and they think oh, I don't want a big house or anything, and and mm. they want to just enjoy themselves. It sounds like it's like the solo house experience of living, right? You've got the beautiful surroundings, um, and all that stuff. So, I mean, what I'd love to know is. In terms of then on co-living as design director, what kind of design takes precedent then in, in, in forming these spaces? And what is the priorities in your opinion when you're designing co-living versus maybe typical residential architecture that you've done before, you know? Sure. So I guess the sort of the main point would be community. So everything in terms of the shared facilities is based around creating and nurturing and uh, having this sense of community in these uh, shared living buildings. Uh, obviously, we're at the moment apparently in an epidemic of loneliness, and mm. it, it is one of these, um, it is a potential solution to that. Uh, so, in terms of the spaces, uh, yeah, that's always the kind of first point of focus to make sure that the spaces work in a way that encourages people to use them and can, yeah, create this sense of community. Interesting. And also you touched upon at the start, there's like a lot of offices in, in Node Living. You've got London, you've got, you've got um, 
Madrid, Barcelona, right? Is it, is it a different approach than you'd have to co-living based upon different regions? So, I don't know, are us Brits more fussy? I don't know, <laughs> got to have more tea points in the kitchen? Or, or is, is, is there like different variations? Or maybe it's places which define it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Sure. Well, I mean, that's one of the most interesting parts of the job is so we're sort of a, a property developer is generally kind of got close links with one particular city or one particular country yeah as a co-living operator obviously we're able to operate globally and the interesting part of that for me are seeing the sort of similarities and the differences between markets so mm-hmm. getting this kind of like uh, global perspective on the type of person that wants to live in these uh, kind of buildings so we spoke a little bit before the the start of the show that um idea of these digital nomads so that is something that we're seeing is happening quite a lot in different markets they're just appearing and moving from city to city um and also but yeah there are s- specific quirks to each particular city or or country right mm. um yeah i don't know how much you want to no, it's just interesting to me. I um, I find it fascinating. Now, what, what I know you've got a presentation. Um, you've got a few images around. It, would that be something? I think it would be quite cool to visualize it now. Sorry, sure. I know I'm, I'm making you panic and load up the the presentation. Sure. I'm used to You take right. you take you take your time. But I, David, I've seen your presentations before. They're always slick and cool, and and it would help visualize um the stuff oh, as, as well there okay. you go hooray i'm gonna load it david now <laughs> brilliant yeah. so yeah maybe just a couple of examples then yeah just to take, give a bit of a flavor of it as so, little or as much as you'd like david you know sure so there are very different various different formats as i described before so uh, obviously we work within existing buildings this is one from our what we call our our boutique product in the center of barcelona we've got nine buildings within the kind of example area which is in the city center of barcelona yeah. and um that's about 150 apartments and those apartments are all um uh, the format where you've got uh ensuite bathroom essentially and some shared space um, and then if we go through it, so these, these, are, these are the cities that we're currently either operating in or have live projects in. Um, and then these are the two at the moment that I'm working on, which are in construction in Madrid. Oh, pro- probably the most relevant in terms of new build. So com- entirely kind of built for purpose. So this is um, what we know at Alcobendas, which is uh, an area in the north of Madrid. It's a 22 story tower. 707 apartments, 888 beds, uh, and it's got a series of amenities which are includes a co-work, a gym, uh, a cafe and a mini market, and gastrotecas on the roof, which are basically private dining rooms that you can hire and cook for your friends, a games room, outdoor cinema, and a lounge and restaurant. Nice. So that's just a little sort of taster of, you know, I mean, some of the interiors and then the kind of studio units. So these kind of new build uh, products tend to be based around studio units. So if you imagine that you can get as a young person, you could uh, be able to afford to live in a studio and have your own apartment. Whereas, you know, I mean, that was something that I, something that I would have loved to have been able to do at that age. 
but yeah. for most of us, this is normally not accessible. And so this is just a kind of overview of the, the sort of plans. So we've got the ground floor and there's a series of shared spaces, the typical floor, which repeats all the way up the building, and then this shared accommodation on the roof with a series of terraces. Nice. Uh, and then that's what some of these will look like. So on this one, this particular project, we're working with a developer in Madrid called Momentum, and they have their own architecture department, which is Momentum Arquitectura. And then we're also working with an external interior designer called Design Agency. They're a Canadian-based uh, company with a Barcelona office, and they've been working with us on the interiors. Uh, so my job is basically to sort of pull all that together and, and kind of coordinate the whole thing. Um, this is Caravanchel. So the difference between these two products would be that whereas Alcobendas is slightly more um, growing up, let's say, so definitely that 25 to 40 year old uh, young professional market. Caravanchel is a slightly younger demographic, so we've got more universities close by. Uh, so it's more likely to capture some of the, the student resi market as well. Um, this is slightly slightly bigger project, so it's 977 apartments, uh, 1,059 beds, and it's a slightly smaller unit, but we're talking about around about 650 euros a month for the studio unit. So to have your own apartment with all your bills included, uh, that's pretty hard to find anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, the top right-hand corner is obviously is the reception space. Um, this is a sort of plan of the building with some of the external spaces. We're really kind of working hard with the external amenity so that it helps to add to the sensation or the actual amenity spaces. Uh, and then this is some of the visuals of the internals of the units. So it's small spaces working quite hard, but as I say, it kind of, the word that I keep coming back to around these projects is to provide a sort of dignified way of living. So, mm -hmm. For me to kind of put my name on it or be involved in it with something that has in the past been sort of some, sometimes controversial, these kind of small uh, apartments, is that it has to be, you know, I mean, the design has to be up to, up to scratch and it has to be somewhere that I would be willing to live myself. I like him. Hmm. And then this is some of the amenity spaces. So co-work, restaurant, games room and lounge, and then sort of mini market cafe. So I guess it's kind of, you could say it's kind of getting closer to a kind of hotel in terms of its offer, but it's somewhere that, you know, I mean, carries for medium to long-term stays. Very yeah. interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I love him. Brilliant. Brilliant. Do you want to kind of, uh, here we go. I'll give you a round of applause. Woo! <laughs> that, looks awesome. that is a, definitely a far cry from um, student living. And I, I agree with you. I was thinking it it does remind me of, of Soho House and that kind of effect and that care and attention where when you kind of go to that next level, you know, sizes and everything, although that could be completely misquoted. Do not uh, take that soundbite out there and go look what Steve said. But you get what I mean. Um, David, it's, it's super interesting. And so also, so... I'm going to put the link here. People can check out Node Living, but I find there's a few fascinating things um, that I would love to talk about. So in a wider sense, you run the design department. And I'd love to know, 
Um, in terms of your team and the p- people that are working with you, because I, I get a lot of inquiries from architects that want to move to development, which is what you've done. Is there any particular qualities you look for for people to work on your team as a hiring manager? I'd love to know your thoughts on who you think works as an employee. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting one, that one. I think it's kind of like evolved over the over time. Mm. Um, the, 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 one that, the first one that came to mind when you asked it was that like fundamentally, I want to work with good people. I think that's yeah. the point that I'm at in my career now, which is that's, that's something that's really important to me. Um, and by that, I mean people who are, you know what I mean, have good intentions, are team players, and yeah, just want to do good work. Um, over and above that, obviously, people who are, yeah, who are um, excited about the, the, the sector in, in particular, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and I guess the question was in relation to going client side. And we had an interesting conversation about this last time about the, you know, I mean, the different motives that there can be to go client side. And sometimes it feels like it's a kind of, uh, uh, yeah, the, the grass, I guess it's like the grass is always greener. You know, I mean, sometimes I would just yeah. love to draw on for somebody to tell me what to do. Uh, but on, on some days that is quite attractive. But um, yeah, I, 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 I think the point that we made last time was that I think it's important that if somebody were to kind of live out their entire career being a, an architect, a, a delivery architect, then that would be a pretty cool thing to do as well. Right. Very interesting. Well, I'll have to put a link somewhere in the description of this episode to the one we we done two years ago. I've got to confess, I didn't listen to it before this. I mean, I got a vibe like you have, so I'm, I, I, I don't want to be in danger of repeating myself. But what would be cool, actually, because, David, when you were talking about that, what is a typical day like for you working in Node Living, like in terms of what comes up, what do you do? Because I think that would be fascinating to know. Because like mm. you say, when, there's probably, once people know what the job entails, they might think, oh my gosh, that really interests me, or oh wow, that's, um, that's mm. actually a lot of hard work. What's the typical day-to-day for you, for David Drews at Node Living and the team? I mean, wow, it's, it's, it doesn't, it's actually, I don't think that it's actually a typical day. It just, <laughs> different, different times respond to different requirements, right? But it can be anything from being in Madrid on site uh, or visiting our, our developer partner there. Yeah. Um, it can be having meetings with interior designers, with the, ar- with the architects, um, coordination meetings, um, working through plans, reviewing plans, working on uh, uh, look and feel concept documents, reviewing look and feel concept documents from externals, um, having meetings internally with the operations team, with the development uh, director, development director in London, um, Mm -hmm. weekly meetings with our CEO, which is Anil Kera, uh, about everything related to design. I've got a window with him every week, which he needs, you know I mean? Everything presented to, to him at once. Yeah, um, and then obviously managing the team here, which is the bit, yeah, which is obviously a, a, it's, it's a job that is a job for some people in and of itself, obviously, and yeah, and that's sometimes where I can feel a bit bad about falling short on that because, yeah, people need to be managed and 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 directed. 
Yeah, very interesting. Also, so last time we did record this interview, though, you were in London, <laughs> weren't you? And since then, <laughs> you have moved across the sea. And I miss you because we used to like, you know, I, I catch up and have lunch in person and stuff. But uh, no living, it's an international company, right? And I would love to know, um, how was it like uh, to get a job in in Spain? Was it partly luck, partly opportunity? Um, or, and, and I'd love to know if you have any tips having done it that perhaps you would impart on someone else to, if anyone's got a similar idea, how maybe yeah. they save themselves a bit of pain, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one because, again, the story that we, we, we spoke about, I'll give you a sort of like summary of my career last time, and I spoke about how I moved to Spain in 2010 during the recession and that it was, you know, I mean, potentially career suicide at that point because yeah. we were in the middle of the recession, Spain, 60% of architects were out of work. Um, and I sort of did the same thing last summer, basically, summer 2021, which was that I, I basically gave up my role at Allied London. Uh, it couldn't have been going better at the time that I left. Um, some of those projects are, 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 I've just completed now. So that's the Enterprise City Master Plan in Manchester. Um, and uh, it was a kind of consequence of COVID, having had lots of time to reflect. Mm. Uh, me and my partner decided that this was what we wanted to do. We wanted to move back to Barcelona. Obviously, I'd, I'd lived here before, um, and therefore, I yeah, I, I left that job at Allied London. And and from the outside, that would be like a kind of crazy thing to do because it was, you know, I mean, as you say, these client side roles aren't easy to come by. Yeah. Um, and I didn't obviously I, I took it, thought about it quite seriously. I really enjoyed that job. Um, but yeah, it was a, ultimately a lifestyle decision, moved here. I very quickly got some work. Um, actually, before moving, was offered a, a role with a, an interior designer here called uh, Lazaro Rosa Violan, which is a really very uh, well-respected, I'd say one of the best worldwide interior designers. Wow. Worked with them for three months. Um, and that was really helpful. Um, as in, in terms of experience, uh, improving my knowledge around fit out and interior design. And then like somewhat by magic, I came across this advert last uh, December for a role looking for a design director who could speak Spanish and English, who could be based in London or Barcelona, uh, and had experience in yeah, working for a property developer. It was made for you, wasn't it? <laughs> you can't well, make that yeah, up. I mean, it, it, it so wasn't the plan. You know what I mean? I wasn't. I didn't imagine that I was going to be doing the same thing again. But it did feel like a kind of yeah. It felt like fate, and it, it felt like something that was absolutely I had to pursue. Yeah, absolutely. I laugh about that story because when you called the recruiter, they must have just felt like a present fell in their laps. <laughs> <laughs> I I sure. talked to you briefly before this when we were getting ready about um you know relocating to. Um, Spain and and little old me who is Welsh speaks very little Welsh and I definitely do not speak any Spanish. Um, and, but in in general, we talked about the language. You don't get as much opportunities, and that's something to be transparent with as well, isn't it? So for anyone that's in the UK who's thinking of, of um, 
moving to Spain. It sounds like there are opportunities in the design industry, but it really does help to have a decent lang you know, level of language. Is that a fair comment then, David? Sure, yeah. I mean, things are like slightly different now from when I first lived in Spain. You know, I mean, there's more opportunity to work for international companies or to work remotely, be living here, working remotely, obviously now after COVID. But yeah, realistically, if you want to be here long term and you want to um, kind of make a life for yourself here, then yeah, I think it's really important to learn the language. Damn, I have to learn Spain. I still got to learn Portuguese because I'm still behind with my partner there. I kind of got like, you know, when you first start dating, I was like on Duolingo doing really well. Mm. And now I've just leveled out. So Portuguese I, is hard, man. It's much harder than Spanish. Yes, and there's two versions yeah. of Portuguese. There's Portuguese Portuguese and Brazilian Portuguese. Sure. <laughs> and people look at me crazy when I say that, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, you got, you got to know one or the other. Mm. So... I was going to say one or two quick things. Um, so in terms of living um, and working in Barcelona versus London, it looks nice where you are now. You know, I can't remember where your, your place was like before in London. But in terms of the quality of life around it, you know, we talked about earlier about the day job and stuff. Um, but as someone who's a designer as well, what's it like lifestyle out there? Do you enjoy it, David? Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I, I wanted to move back for that reason. Yeah. Um, having said that, though, I've always um, like made this point because I think there is this kind of like fantasy of living in Spain and, and living in Barcelona in particular. And you know, I mean, the, the grass is always greener, right? And this time, I came yeah. back knowing fully well what the pros and contras were of each of uh, living both in London and Barcelona. You know, what I mean. Um, there, there is definite benefits to both. Mm. And and just so like anyone that's in London who's like, oh, this guy, he's he's in the sun enjoying life. I mean, what's one or two things that you miss about uh, being a designer in London, having left to Spain now? Uh, I think London, like the coolest thing is the, is the people, you know what I mean? Just the mix of people. Yeah. Uh, ironically, I think people are really humble in London because they're all just kind of like in this sort of big city together trying to kind of make their way right and trying to get on the property ladder and trying to get the next good job and um that, that's what i love about london yeah fair enough fair enough i mean oh actually oh, i was going to ask you another question it escaped me earlier but it's kind of come back as well because you you mentioned co-living is it's a sector that gets a lot of investment in it um, now, there's yeah, some... at the moment, yeah, it's, it's one that's attracting a lot of attention, yeah. Yeah, well, in, in the UK, I think you left at a good time because, you know, Liz Trust Bless has smashed the pound into oblivion and we're kind of clambering back up. I don't know how much you follow UK politics. I'm not big into politics. Point being, there's rumours and worries in the UK next year of a recession, the dreaded R words. I mean, what's the, it feels like the economy is like in Barcelona or are you seeing any ripples from your front or is it all smooth sailing? Uh, so I think there's concerns as well. You know, I mean, there's concerns here also that that's going to happen next year. Um, I know that it's still the case that there's never, it's never been a better employment situation in Spain than all the time I've lived here. Mm. Um, so that hasn't seen any effect yet. And then obviously 
in terms of our own work, the, the projects that we've got are, are, are fully funded. So, you know, I mean, these, the two projects that I showed you and then the two that are coming after that are going to have to, are being built whether we like it or not. So it's, it's, it's happening. So yeah, yeah, so you're, you're, work there. yeah you're in too deep. The amazing co-living is happening uh, one way or another. Yeah. I am. Um, I don't think it can be as bad as 2020 during the pandemic. And we used to speak to each other throughout then because you, you were my client, right? And um, that was pretty arduous. I mean, my view is that even if we do go into a bit of a recession, because things have been so buoyant for such a while, I just think yeah. it's going to be a bit of a slowdown, less of a car crash. I mean, do, do you kind of, do you get what I mean with that? Yeah, exactly. I, I really do hope that's the case. Yeah, I think we spoke about this again last time about the whole kind of COVID experience and those of us that had went through the recession in two thousand and eight. I think we're better prepared for what for COVID than than those who hadn't. You know, what I mean, sort of younger people who hadn't had that experience before because it's it's scary when something like that happens and it's your first experience of it because you just you don't know what's going to happen. But I think once you've been through it a couple of times, then you you know, what I mean, you get used to not taking things for granted and and yeah just taking advantage of, of things when they're they're going well right yeah i mean it's been good for the last year a uh, year i reckon so for anyone out there i mean this is what i'm beginning to say now because some people i think uh, especially in the last year david there's been a lot of opportunity and also like a good person would get like the pick of the litter where they want sure. to go and i think now the tables are going to be a bit more even keel you'll probably see more applications come in david for your team and stuff as well but um hey that's that's how it goes what i was going to say actually is and i'm going to bring up the website really quickly in the background just put the link there um but david your your team how does it work then because noah's got offices all around the world do you do flexible working or do people work remotely then on your team in terms of the design process and collaboration so we've got offices in London, we've got uh, offices in Barcelona. Uh, the London <coughs> office, uh, which is in Mayfair, is more sort of finance focused. Right. And uh, in Barcelona is where the design team sits. Uh, and that's been, obviously, it's been growing this year since since I started. Um, and we took the decision, the, the decision strategically to, to do it here in Barcelona because there's a lot of talent and obviously, um, we can work all over the world as well from Barcelona. I like it. Well, there you go. So it's all it's all kind of kicking off and happening in in Barcelona. What I was going to yeah. say, uh, David. Now, just in terms of winding down and stuff, is that I would love to know if you've got any questions for me, or if there's anything you'd like to pick my brains with. Actually, now mm. that we're, we're on the live stream. Sure. Well, I want to, obviously, we, I guess the, the various conversations that we've had at various times over the years, we've been in, mm. funnily enough, at sort of parallel moments. So I would love to hear a little bit about how the experience has been of growing the architecture social. Oh, my goodness. Well, I, yeah, you kind of were, you were there on ground zero. So um, David referred earlier to a, a podcast. We recorded it in 2020. My goodness, that was like the lockdown number two. And I seem to remember, I think you were in the office, but not around anyone else. You were all yeah. isolated. It was this really weird time. And um, mm. to answer your question, it's been a wild ride. Um, it's kind of been 
a bit of a blessing and a burden, you know, uh, because you've had your own business as well. And there's something amazing about it. There's also, it's incredibly stressful. So I love the architecture social. It's kind of getting to where I want it to go. It keeps evolving as well. And so, yeah, I, I enjoy it. It's fun. I've got a lot of gray hairs. I've definitely put a bit chunkier than when we met in person before. But you know what? I wouldn't have it any other way. And it's changed a lot, uh, David, over the years as well. So um, when we did our podcast last time, the community forum was the most vibrant conversational that everyone was on the forum. There was nowhere to go. And I think that the architecture social really came to life in that moment. Since then, the forum has kind of died off a bit and that's okay. But then what I've seen is going up is like the YouTube channel, the live streams, the website gets a lot more traction and, um, Different, different parts of the website gets used before. You know, I was at an event earlier the other week and it was really good to meet people who have, had found the website and stuff. So um, to answer your question, it keeps evolving. What will happen tomorrow? No, I, I, even I don't know. I kind of view it a little bit like a design lab or a studio. I like to experiment with things which work and what doesn't work. Um, but also being transparent as well. Uh, a lot of the business model is recruitment. And it's quite funny because I do career coaching and all this stuff. But recruitment pays the bill, as you know, because I've sent you one or two invoices before. You know what I mean? But they, it, keeps, it keeps it going. So, yeah, I mean, I'd like to keep growing the architecture social. And I think that the overarching brief hasn't changed of connecting job seekers with employers. And, and I think... The last bit I'd add to the question, which I think is evolving, is part of what I've been doing is an online directory. And I think in the future, David, um, and especially you in between jobs, you mentioned it when you were looking for a design director, when you've been a director or something, it's incredibly important, the design ethos of the company, but also the culture, you know? And I think that in the future, job seekers are going to be a lot more savvy and demanding with where they want to apply. Whereas historically, I think that you'd see job descriptions online of, we are looking for an architect, must have 10 years experience, must have six years of Revit, must have three years of laboratory. And oh my gosh, by the time, by the end you read it, you're like, well, no one's going to hit this criteria. Whereas in the future, it's much more about Node Living does this, Node Living does that. This is how we support our staff. And I think the, the most successful companies are going to be the ones that explain their culture, but also live by it. Mm. Um, I was looking at a company today with some awful glass door reviews, and I was thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, it's like our, our director's asking us to work five days a week and all this stuff, and you just can't get away with it anymore, David. No, why would you, to be honest, you know? Mm. Yeah, sorry, mini, mini tirade. I think the flu... It's kind of kicked in and I just like... No, I just, I'm really interested by it. Yeah, it's a really um, interesting subject, yeah. Yeah, I tell you what. I mean, have you got one or two other questions? Or if you want to continue to let me like divulge information and give you my predictions a bit further on, on what I think next year will happen. Sure. Okay, so it's like 
expanded version of what we discussed earlier. So the bubble will totally pop because right now a good person can look everywhere and they can get one, two, three, four jobs. But if I was anyone, I would I would be seriously starting to bunker down where I am or if you're probably thinking of looking for a job now's a good time I would try to avoid doing it mid next year I could be totally wrong but like the same way you said you're cautious and everyone else like canary in the mine right I think it's a good time to bunker down where you are or start looking because I think that you, you never really want to be in the middle of a move during something turbulent and the economy is looking like it's going to be in, in a fragile position. Having said that, though, I did read that the pound is getting stronger and the dollars are going weaker. So you, you just don't know. But um, I think that if anyone's thinking of looking, do it now or, or bunker down. So that's my prediction on that. Great advice, yeah. I, I think your last point was, was spot on in terms of, like, you know what I mean, the other factor of it is that we just don't know. And like with all the other recessions and COVID and when they came along, nobody expected them. They just happened. And you yeah. have to kind of like roll with it when it does happen. Yeah, yeah. You, you, I remember well, the month before the pandemic was the busiest recruitment month ever and then it all kind of shut off. I don't see anything being that sudden anymore, though. And I really mm. believe that if anyone survived the pandemic you can't it's not going to get worse than that because that was really reinventing the the rule book i mean i don't know i was uh you mentioned on the last bit on, on the subject is that you know you found it hard during the 2009 2010 global economic crash and a lot of people did as well um mm -hmm. but i was a part when looking for a job and um the way i found the job was by sending lots of cvs volume and yeah. they, and, and okay, that's a bit different. Further in your career, you might not want to do it as much. But as a student, there was just nothing to lose, you know? I was like, I'm going to send out 600 applications or something crazy. And then I got interviews. So even in the worst of times, you can still get interviews. You just mm. have got to have a good plan. And you've got to be consistent and take it from there. I, I was on a creator course for LinkedIn and um, they talked about content creation with the three C's. I think the first one was to be creative. Let's see if this applies to architecture. Let's see if I remember it with my flu brain. So the first one was be creative. That's the first C. Then the next one was to be consistent. And then the third C was to collaborate, hmm. which is sort of true. You know, it's good to collaborate. But the three C's, that's the trick for content creation. And hmm. I reckon... You could substitute that for job seeking, except collaboration, you could say that's your network. So it's like the same way that we're talking now. I think the more people reached out to you and said, oh, I really enjoyed that podcast. It's, it's weird how the world works because maybe they were an interior designer and you're looking for an interior designer. And then suddenly, because they sent that message to you, you hire them. So... The free C's. That's the new thing I've learned today. Content creation. Absolutely, yeah. I think this idea of getting creative, we spoke about this last time as well, that in the uh, pandemic, it was an opportunity for people to reflect and potentially be more creative in, in, in thinking about what they wanted to do going forward. And I remember back in 2010, in the recession, when I managed uh, 
to get a job. Um, it was by revisiting the way that I approached it as well. And and in that occasion, it was thinking specifically about the person that was going to be reading it when I sent it. Mm. It was the first time at that age that I'd sort of thought about it in that way. So it was acknowledging the person that was reading it before I'd even met them. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, one thing I really admire about you, David, and I haven't said this, um, but I'll say it live on the live stream. Hey, you know, it's just me and you and, uh, you know, 50 listeners or whatever it is, right? But what I always really admired is that you've always gone like gun-ho, given everything you, yeah. you, that you that you've got, and the design looks killer for it. So you haven't half-assed anything, right? And I admire that. And what I, where I was thinking of it, because I have a friend who I dearly love as well. And she said to me, I'm like, hey, you know, we spoke. And, sh- and she's like, hey, can't say the name online. And I was like, what are you up to? And she's like, ah, fed up with my job. I'm quietly quitting. And I laughed at that term, quietly quitting. But to, uh, to me, that's just like, the opposite, because when I'm doing something like now, I'm 100% in or I get really despondent. So years ago, when I was in a job I wasn't interested in, I kind of switched off. But ever since then, I just thought, you only got one life. You've got to go for it. You've got to give it your all. Sure. Therefore, to me, quietly quitting is insane. But what's your um, approach to it then? Because I think you kind of go gun-ho into it. Would you quietly quit? I don't see that happening. No, I don't have it in there, but what I would say about that situation, you know what I mean? Because we've all been in that situation at work where we maybe would want to do that. And mm. I would say that have an, have an honest conversation. You know what I mean? If, if, if any boss or any CEO is worth anything, then they'll be willing to have an honest conversation about where you're at and where you want to be and whether you both can come to some sort of agreement so yeah well said and then also if you if your boss then doesn't give you that opportunity for the conversation well you know where you stand then don't you so you can start being like well clearly my boss doesn't care about you got your answer yeah exactly so Mm -hmm. i mean well said but uh, i tell you what i think this is a nice point for us to kind of wind down to the next level on so if anyone wants to collaborate or if anyone wants to find out more about co-living or find more about no living or more about yourself david where do they find you so you can best get me on linkedin david drews this yeah no living you'll you'll find me that way yeah, sadly we're not we're 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 not relatives, but yes, you can find David Drews. We're connected <laughs> on LinkedIn as well. But there you go, David. You you're such a pleasure as always. Thank you for showing the projects as well, and for recording, uh, joining me in this live stream in your evening. So I will let you get back to your family. Thank you so much, and also thank you to the viewers out there and let me know if you enjoyed this episode and i will have more content coming soon i don't know how much content i've got coming next week though because i've been invited to one or two christmas parties so i'm gonna rest up david so that i can go but i tell you what i will not be drinking much at this at this rate because i i am feeling weak so i will be on one or two beers on maximum So I'll let you know how the events goes, but more content will be coming soon. Thank you so much again, David. I'm going to end the live stream now. You've been an absolute joy. Cheers. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for your time. Take care.